Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. You can find us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. And if you have not as yet, you are running out of time. Please subscribe to our magazine, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And by the way, the one other thing that I'm going to tell you to do right now, please make sure and do this because this is going to be a lot of fun. We have a pick'em contest now on texasfootball.com. Please play. It's a college pick'em contest. You're picking games against the spread every single week. We're going to have a winner who wins a $20 Visa gift card. And at the end of the year, the overall winner will win a $200 Visa gift card. It's absolutely free to play. Textfootball.com will have it up on the on the homepage. We'll make it easy for you to find. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be picking games too. You can pick against me. And I can prove that I truly am <laughs> the college football expert. Hopefully. Let's hope. <laughs> Yeah, you may notice this just me right now, obviously. Uh, Ishmael Johnson will be joining us later in the show, along with special guest Matt Wilson, who works for the city of Arlington. Uh, he'll be joining to talk to us about the opening game at AT&T Stadium, Oregon versus Auburn, and to help us make picks as well. We're also going to have two interviews this week. It's going to be a San Antonio show. Eric Morris from Incarnate Word, Frank Wilson from UTSA. We got a chance to talk to Eric Morris down in uh, San Antonio when we went and visited uh, and, and make sure and check out my feature on the site later on uh, on San Antonio football, textfootball.com. But uh, we got a chance to talk to Eric Morris down in San Antonio. We got a chance to talk to Frank Wilson at Conference USA Media Days. Uh, with the game coming up this week, the San Antonio game, UTSA versus Incarnate Word, it felt like a perfect time to run both of these interviews. But we're here. You made it. Congratulations. We have college football starting on Thursday night, Texas State travels to face off against Texas A&M. We're here. We're here. I guess technically uh, college football started last week with a, a truly miserable Florida versus Miami game, followed by a truly amazing Hawaii versus Arizona game. But uh, but Texas college football starts on Thursday. Uh, we'll be really excited to watch that one. Uh, this weekend's going to be a great slate. I'm actually going to be up at Houston versus Oklahoma in Norman, Oklahoma. Get to see Dana Holgerson's debut. Derek King make his debut against a Big 12 team. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a couple news items that have come out in the last couple of days. Uh, we officially have all of our starting quarterbacks. They've all been named. Uh, Rice named Wiley Green the starting quarterback on Tuesday. The Plano Prestonwood Christian product. Uh, TCU officially named Alex Delton, the Kansas State grad transfer as the starting quarterback, though both he and Max Duggan will play. Uh, Tyler Vitt later, last week was uh, was named the starting quarterback at Texas State. I'm trying to think if there was anybody else um, who was named a starter. Frank, Frank Harris, I mean, I don't think that's a huge surprise, but Frank Harris will be the starting quarterback at UT San Antonio. And we're here. I, I mean... All 12 are, are set now. We know who everybody's going into the season with. I really don't have a lot more to add. Uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. We're going to start with our interview with UTSA head coach Frank Wilson. Move on to our interview with Incarnate Word head coach Eric Morris. And then we're going to get right into the picks. And by the way, just, just to give you a little bit of insight, uh, this is how we're going to kind of be doing things the next couple of weeks uh, into the season. On Wednesday, we're going to be doing sort of our recap and picks show, right? We're going to talk about all the news items that came out on Monday and Tuesday, and, and some on Wednesday as well. But we're primarily going to be making our picks later in the show, talking a lot about uh, what's to come. And then on Sundays, we're going to be starting to do Sunday shows, though I don't know if we've decided if we're doing Sunday or Monday this first week because of the Houston game being on Sunday. Uh, on Sunday, we're going to be releasing a podcast as well, just a 25-30 minute show, a nice quick run through. We're going to be recapping all the games, letting you know what you missed, what you needed to know. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be our first time recording things truly remotely, so wish us luck. I've never done it before, uh, and we're going to try our best not to break anything. But uh, but again, stick around. We'll be right back with Coach Wilson, followed by Coach Morris. Well, let's go ahead and get started. 
We're joined now by UTSA coach Frank Wilson. Coach Wilson, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. We're here now at Conference USA Media Days. Obviously, UTSA picked fifth in the poll coming into the year in the West Division. How do you feel about the state of your team right now? I feel good about our team. Uh, I think we're much improved. Uh, I think we're eager and we're uh, continuing to grow day by day. You know, we talked a little bit about the facility upgrades that have been coming up when I when I stopped in your office last time. Uh, what, what's the state of that, and how how do you feel about the state of where everything is right now? I feel good about it. Um, we'll break ground this fall. Uh, excited about our multi-million dollar facility. Uh, I think it'll um, it enhance our program as a whole uh, for our current players who are so deserving, as well as the recruit being able to recruit to it with uh, some potential recruits. In that first game of the year, you get Incarnate Word, an in-city program. Mm-hmm. I mean, how cool is it just uh, to play against a school that's right in your backyard? Uh, we're excited about it. Uh, you know, we, we build it, the San Antonio game. Uh, I think it's something that our city want. Uh, I think it's, it's good for our parents. It's good for our players. Uh, you know, we have a ton of kids on our team from the city of San Antonio. Uh, so we look forward to it. When you look at that early schedule, I mean, there's some tough games, obviously, mm-hmm. early in the year. Um, you know, what do you think you guys have to do to kind of come out with a quick start? Um, you know, I just think we've got to transfer the things that we've done this spring, this summer, uh, to this fall season. I think if we're able to do those things, we position ourselves uh, to be able to compete very well. Yeah. When you look at your offense, uh, you know, you bring in offensive coordinator Jeff Castle, a guy who we know that you have a lot of faith in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think kind of helps him be able to do the job at a high level? Yeah, I just think he's very inno- innovative. Uh, I think he uh, is a guy with ingenuity, uh, a guy that goes out and research and find uh, and learn from the best and the brightest that are out there, whether it's the NFL or, or collegiately, and just forever staying on and wanting to stay on the cutting edge. Uh, I just think it, it helps him, it helps us continue to grow to match our personnel. Well, he was with you at LSU, of course. Yeah. And um, what was it about him that kind of drew you to him and made you want to take him with you to UTSA? Yeah, um, his intellect, his professionalism, his consistency, uh, all the things, all the attributes you look for in, in, in a guy that's aspiring. Uh, he fit the bill and continued to check the boxes and continued to ascend. And, uh, and here we are. Yeah. Under center, obviously, everybody's going to be asking about it all, all fall yeah. long, of course. Uh, but let's start with Frank Harris. Uh, where is Frank at health-wise, and, and how much does he look kind of back to normal after that injury? Uh, he's back 100% healthy. He looks 100% fantastic. Yeah. What does he bring to the table just with his ability? Um, a guy that's able to run our offense, uh, and when the offense is denied... Uh, and the options aren't there, we're still okay because he finds a way to make a play with an improbability that most can't. Is there another guy who's kind of stood up in that competition and said, I want to be right there up there with Frank? Yeah, I think they're all vying for it. You know, we haven't declared Frank as a starter yet. Uh, I think those guys are competing uh, at a high rate. I think Cordell Grundy is right in the mix of things. I think Lowell Norcease is in the midst of things. Um, and it'll, it'll play itself out throughout fall camp. Where do you think your offensive line is now versus where they were last year? I think they're now a strength. When they were concerned going into a year ago with one of five starters, now you have four or five that are starters. And so feel good about it. With, when it comes to UTSA, I mean, when you took over the program, it was not just a rebuilding job, it was a building job, mm-hmm. you know, building a program yeah, at UTSA. Right. Uh, where do you feel like you are now just in terms of your place in the city of San Antonio? Yeah, uh, I think we're hitting strides. I think our city has embraced our football program like any. We've, uh, we've had a couple of years where we flashed and set a standard, set a bar uh, that we need to, to be able to attain. And I think right now we'll have, we'll field uh, our very best team, our most talented team that we've had. So uh, excited about it. When it comes to, to football, I mean, San Antonio is kind of a unique market because, mm-hmm. you know, there isn't an NFL team there, mm-hmm. but you saw with the Commanders when they were there. And I know when I was there last time, the Commanders were still in existence. Mm-hmm. There was just so much interest, so much intrigue. And even with the fan base, even when this team has struggled, there's been so much support. Yeah, yeah. We still lead the conference in yeah. attendance. Uh, we still lead the nation as a startup program and a debut game that had 68,000 people there. Wow. And so... Uh, 
it's I think it's a, a market that uh, that wants to support uh, their home team, and so uh, we have to continue to strive to give them the brand that allowed them to come out and support us. With a uh, you know, you lose Josiah Tawafa, uh, but um, what do you think he's going to be able to do at the next level? Do you think he's going to be able to stick? Oh yeah, you know just talking to the guys for, for the Giants, their GM, they really like me at a very good uh, mini camp, rookie camp. Uh, they're about to kick things off, and there's high expectations for him. Were you surprised that he wasn't drafted? Um, yes and no. Uh, no, because um, they, you know, he got an advised grade, and it talked about the quantity of backers that were coming out in this year. Uh, yes, because he's as good as the backs that came out that were drafted ahead of him in the back end. Yeah. When it comes to your team in 2019, what do you think is going to be one thing that surprises people? Um, how well we play together as a football team. That uh, we've had individuals that have stood out, and now uh, the cohesiveness of three years, four years of togetherness uh, rears its head, and the leadership of our team from our first recruiting class comes to the forefront now. Awesome. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be watching you closely this season. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're joined now by Incarnate Word Head Coach, Eric Morris. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Well, first of all, we're here today because we named you to our 40 under 40 football coaches. So the first question is, why have you managed to have so much success at such a young age? I've been around a lot of great coaches. I've been blessed to, to be around great coaches as players and and then a short time in my career I mean having the opportunity to work under coach Sumlin learn a lot from him Mike Leach learn a lot from him and Cliff Kingsbury I mean those are three guys that do it at a high level and have for a long time so um, just try to take a little bit from every one of them um, and you know sometimes I learn some things that I don't want to do in my program and so you learn the good the bad and you try to try to piece it all together and and what fits your personality and, and how you can uh, can run an operation in and out uh, at a successful level. Well, coming to Incarnate Word, coming to UIW, uh, you know, there are, this isn't a program that's necessarily been known for producing at a high level on the football field. Why were you guys able to have so much success in your first year? Yeah, um, you know, first of all, I hired a bunch of good assistant coaches, so it was a group effort. You know, I, I thought our kids did a great job. I mean, we um, played into the underdog role the whole entire year. I mean, you know, we thought that we weren't really respected, um, you know, in the Southland Conference and, and then, you know, on, on the national stage of the Division One level. So uh, something we had to earn. Um, the kids came in. I thought they did a great job at, at working hard, um, you know, avoiding, you know, thinking about what people were saying about us and, and really controlling what they control each and every day. And that's going out and, and working hard to get one day better. So thought we did a great job with that um you know our players you know players are the ones that go out and make plays for you so obviously they did a great job of improving and so it was an overall group effort our, our players bought into what we were selling our coaches did a phenomenal job of coaching and uh, we were bit we were able to put a successful product on the field well last year i was talking to one of your players and they said that one of your mantras was stealth mode and now that's not going to be the case anymore you know you guys are going to be among the favorites in the southland i mean what what difference is there going in as more of a favorite than an underdog? Yeah, um, stealth mode is, is no longer. People know who we are, which is a good thing. Um, that's where you want it at the first of every year. You want people gunning for you. And so now, you know, we've, we've our new motto is the process. And so we have to buy into the process that got us to where we were, but then find little ways to even perfect that a little bit more. And so we did a lot of self-scouting throughout the offseason. We tried to find areas we were deficient in as a football program. Um, you know, offensively, we were terrible on third downs and in the red zone. So we're focusing on that right now. Uh, defensively, we led the nation in turnovers. Um, but overall, we weren't an efficient defense. So we're trying to be efficient, uh, force these people into some more third and longs and, and getting off the field more often um, as opposed to just relying on, on those turnovers. And then special teams is a huge hit for us right now. I mean, we weren't very good. We we're 10th out of 11th. In, uh, in total special teams last year. So um, we're going to play a lot of our starters this year on special teams. So if we can get better in a bunch of those areas and, and then continue um, to perfect our craft on the, on the things we were good at, be a year better, um, year two in our systems, kept all of our coordinators, which was key for us this year. So 
Um, you know, barring any kind of crazy injuries or anything, we stay healthy. I think we have a chance to put a good product on the field again. Well, last year there were a lot of close games, like you mentioned, a lot of turnovers. Uh, how do you kind of replicate that sort of stuff? How do you replicate, you know, closing out close games, and how do you replicate continuing to force turnovers? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, you know, we do a bunch of situational football, and so we do a competition every day. And our coaches don't know what the competition are, um, and our players don't know what the competitions are. So at the end of practice, I bring everybody up, and, and we play out one of those situations. And it might be something as simple as, you know, as one field goal kick to win the game. It might be as complex as, you know, we're up by four points, and we have four minutes left with, with one timeout, and we've got to get two first downs to win a football game. So... Um, you know, as coaching staff, we kind of meet on that. We find out what these key situations are. Um, you know, we've even added to the list because we found out last year we didn't cover them all. And so, you know, uh, we lost the game to Lamar. You know, we're, we're tied up with three seconds left. We're kicking a 30-yard field goal. And, um, you know, we they ice the kicker, and then we come out, and we had a, a major malfunction in our protection. They block it. They go down and score, and, and we lose the game. So, um, we'll try to add those situations into the practice each and every day and put it in a really competitive situation. Um, that way there's a winner and there's a loser. Well, I think that one of the most anticipated games of the year for sure has to be the opener against UTSA. Uh, you know, th- these are the two Division One programs in San Antonio. I mean, how much excitement is there around the program and uh, among your players just in terms of getting to play this big-time game for San Antonio? Yeah, a little bit of a trap for a coach because I don't want them looking forward right now, and and it's hard not to. And so, um, you know, we we haven't talked about it one time as a team yet. Um, You know, we'll we'll get there um, when we get closer to the game. We start game planning. But, yeah, I I just want them focusing on the moment, the process, getting one day better, um, really, you know, working on one thing and, and, and improving each and every day. And so um, if we do that, you know, I think we'll be in a position to go out there and compete on August 31st. If we don't, then we could get embarrassed on August 31st. So um, not buying into it right now, um, you know, and then when we do get there, I don't think I'm going to have to, you know, do any kind of motivational speech at all before that game. Our, our guys will be juiced to the gill, so I'll probably go, you know, uh, the other way and I'll try to calm them down in, in some way. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck this season, and we'll talk to you again real soon. I appreciate it. Well, for the first time this season, we're doing picks. We're officially here. we got a special guest. We've got Matt Wilson, the VP of Sports and Events at the Arlington Convention Visitors Bureau. Did I get that right? A plus, man. A Perfect. Plus. And, of course, we've got Ishmael here as well. Yeah, you know, always here. <laughs> the season has really snuck up on me. It really, really has. Man. And this is where you work. <laughs> this is where I work. <laughs> That's like Santa Claus saying, man, I, I had no Christmas idea already? Christmas was next week. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, let's go ahead and get right into it. We got a lot of games. We got a lot of games yeah. Yeah, because it's non-conference, not a lot of intra, uh, interstate games. So let's start with Thursday night. Number 12, Texas A&M versus Texas State. 7.30 p.m. Thursday night on the SEC Network. Texas A&M is a 34-point favorite. Ish, let's start with you. Oh, man, that spread is surprising. Not just because, I mean, if, if Texas State has any semblance of an offense, that means Texas A&M is going to even have, like, to cover that spread, they're going to have to blow them out even more, like score 50 or things like that. And it's like, I don't know if Jimbo's that type of operator. Um, I don't think they're going to cover. But A&M's absolutely going to win outright, obviously. But I don't think they're going to cover. I think we're looking at maybe a 24 four to 30 point spread as opposed to 34 sure matt what do you totally think? agree uh big spreads like that in the first week always make me really really nervous uh everybody's trying to work out the kinks and stuff uh texas state probably score some points but to ask them uh to score uh to outscore any of this just not going to happen right well and again when you look at that 34 point line that means that if texas state can find a way to put up 21 points which mm. is very doable sure then a&m's got to get to 55 right and Especially with Travion Williams gone, I just don't know whether they're going to be as explosive. That, that's yep. the biggest thing to know. They'll me. have to find their identity as an offense pretty right. early on. Right, and I think that they'll be good. I think that Mond is going to be a huge part of what they want to do. I think they're going to have some good receivers, but I just don't know if they're going to have those you know, 80-yard runs that Travion mm-hmm. Williams had last year. So, yeah, I'm going to pick uh, Texas State to cover as well. All three of us are in agreement. Moving on to Friday night, Rice travels to face Army 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. 
this is kind of a weird game. It's a 23-and-a-half-point line. Uh, Army, of course, goes 11-2 and last year, wins the Armed Forces Bowl in dominant fashion over Houston, Rice 2-10. and It's the second year under Mike Bloomgren-ish. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this game? I feel like Army can cover. I really do. Just because they're a machine and they've blown out teams before running this offense. Typically, when you look at a triple option, it's like, oh, you know, they're gonna, you know, they probably won't blow a team out. No, Army's blown teams out. They they blew out Houston last year. Um, they blew out. I forgot. They I think they blew out their opening game as well. Uh, yeah, they can put up points, and I think they can cover because Rice is really gonna struggle to do a lot this year. Matt, uh, if you if this game was happening in the second half of the season, I say the Army covers. First game of the year. There's not an there's not an offense in college football that requires more timing and precision than option offenses. I played mm-hmm. in one in college. The first game, uh, you know, making sure you're making the right reads, the right pitch, spacing is so critical in, in option offenses. Um, Rice might put up some points. Army wins, but they don't cover. So here's here's the deal with Army, right? Army does lose a lot on defense, mm-hmm. but in terms of returning production on offense. They're number 16 nationally. So they do bring back a lot on that offense. Now, mm-hmm. I, I do think that, like you said, the defense isn't going to be quite as good. I, and I think that there's reason to believe that. They're not going to be an 11 win team again. Right. But on offense, I do think they're going to still be able to put up points. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, it changes once you get into games and once you have to put up points. But, you know, same deal, right? So if it's a 23.5 point line, 24 points, basically, uh, you know, if, if Rice can get to 21, I, I guess then, you know, Army has to get to 45. That's tough. That's asking a lot out of an that, that is That is. In the first game. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I still think Army's probably going to cover. I, I still he did it. I, I still just he need to it. see the uh, – I still need <laughs> to see the, the Rice thing kind of work out a little bit. But I'll, I'll tell you what. The one way that this happens is if Juma Taviano goes off and has another 200-yard game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest way that this can happen. Sure. Moving on. Texas Tech facing off against Montana State, 3 p.m. on Fox Sport Networks. Texas Tech is a 21-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Uh, and just a little bit of background on Montana State. They went 8-and-5 last year, actually beat Incarnate Word in the FCS playoffs before losing to North Dakota State. So this is a good FCS team. Ish, what are your thoughts? I think they cover. I think Texas Tech, I think when we're looking at Coaching changes and things like that. Sure, it's going to be an adjustment for Matt Wells and you know changing the culture there. But I think we're I think a lot of us originally probably overestimated how much he's going to have to do differently. I think this is still a very talented offensive team at Texas Tech. They still have a good quarterback, potentially one of the best in the state, uh, based off obviously what he showed last year in Alan Bowman. I mean, this is still a Power Five versus an FCS program, and I think if Texas Tech shows if last year's offensive flashes weren't a fluke, I think this should be an easy cover. Matt? Alan Bowman's injury last year created a couple of really big what-ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, if Bowman doesn't get injured, do they win the Oklahoma game last year? Sure. I would argue very heavily that that would have been um, touch and go. You know, uh, I, I think that Tech had a very real chance of winning that game until he goes out. And West Virginia was the same way. Um, Bowman was uh, a stud last year. To have him come back, I think uh, – You'll see an offense that is more vertical this year than what it was in the past few years under Cliff Kingsbury. But also Bowman's injury really, if, if you want to look at it holistically, created the avenue for Matt Wells to be the head coach. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Matt, Alan Bowman going down really tanked Tech's season, uh, became horribly inconsistent, even more so than what they were. So I think that you'll see a very focused Texas Tech team. I think that uh, you know one of the big things that they've been focusing on in the, in the preseason has been cutting down on the number of just really dumb penalties, which mm. uh, historically for Tech has been since the days of, of Mike Leach and Tommy Tuberville and under Cliff, uh, one of the most penalized teams in the country before the snap and after the whistle. Matt Wells has said, we're going to cut down on that. I think you'll see a more disciplined Tech team, still a very explosive offense. I think Tech wins by 20-plus, uh, and they should. Yeah, I, I think that you're absolutely right, and – the big thing, you know, we talk about quarterbacks in this game. Alan Bowman could be one of the best in the state this mm-hmm. year. And Montana State doesn't really have a guy right now. A first-time starter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they, they, in fact, they, uh, you know, talking about Texas State, who will 
touch on later, you know, they were trying to get Gresh Jensen in there mm-hmm. because they wanted a guy who was a little bit more established, couldn't necessarily find that guy. So I think that Tech has a big opportunity here just to kind of show people that, hey, you know, we're going to be able to put up points. We're going to be able to keep rolling on offense and, and show some things on defense too. You know, they showed a lot of interesting defensive signs in that secondary during the spring game. Yep. Uh, I think this is a showcase game for them. I think they, they handle it easily, and I think Tech's Tech definitely covers. This next one's interesting. Incarnate Word versus UTSA, 5 p.m. at the Alamo Dome, broadcast live on ESPN3. UTSA is a five-and-a-half-point favorite heading into this game. Ish, what are your thoughts? Man. <laughs> I'm going back and forth on this one. Are you going to do it? I. Oh, my God. Are you going to do it? No, I can't do it. Uh, I, I think UTSA, I think, man, as much as we loved what UIW did last year. Sure. Right. There were still some problems with that team. Defensively, there were still some problems with that team with consistency, running the ball a little bit. John Copeland is was a good player, but you know, it's there's always a chance for a step back with him. UTSA, maybe it's the fact that he's on the hot seat, but we're hearing all the right things from UT, from Frank Wilson this offseason. Like he seemed like I remember you talked to him, Sean, where you you know, he said we're gonna score points, and it's like it's just really odd coming from a program that had almost nothing going for it last year. Yeah. And so what better way to put every criticism to rest than beating your in-state, I don't want to call them rival, but in-state or in-city in school, yeah. intra-city school uh, program that's probably talking a little bit right now, knowing that they had well, a little success a last year. We'll so, have the story coming out next week. They're there talking. <laughs> there you go. So I, I think UTSA wins. I think they win comfortably. I think we're bl- overblowing this. Oh, little comfortably. Little. I think com- comfortably. I think, I think they cover. I think it's a double-digit win. Okay. Yeah. Matt? Well, I like to live dangerously. <laughs> okay. I'm like Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to Incarnate Word, and here's the reason why. I look at what teams have to play for, and certainly that's not always, um, you know, the best indicator, but what I look for or what I look at in this game is that you have a UTSA uh, program that's really on its heels. And as everybody that knows anything about college football knows that Frank Wilson is probably coaching for his job. Mm-hmm. Incarnate Word is the younger brother with a lot of swag. I mean, a lot. Uh, Eric Morris, from the time he was in uh, middle school, junior high, high school, playing at Texas Tech, was an undersized guy that played with a ton of swagger. And he has a team that very much reflects that. They have a lot to prove to establish some claim to San Antonio, which is a city, uh, one of the largest cities in Texas, that still just doesn't have a college football identity. Sure. And I think that Incarnate Word looks at this as a way to fill that void. Uh, we saw a few years ago whenever UTSA was playing Oklahoma State very, very tight mm-hmm. in the Alamo Dome, you could almost feel the city of San Antonio getting behind a UTSA, and, and UTSA desperately needs that to happen. But you have a, an Incarnate Word team that – they're going to go in there feeling very confident they're going to win. I, I think they win. I, I don't think it's a blowout by any means, but I think that they win. Uh, I wouldn't say it would be a tight, tight game. And you look at what they did. You look at what the city did with the AAF as well. Yeah. Like, they blew out everyone in attendance. They're wanting, they want football. They there. want they football. Want. Don't ruin my story from next week too much. <laughs> all right? We'll have plenty to talk about with that. Fair enough. Uh, one yeah, one quote that I will read from uh, that I did get from uh, from one incarnate word player i won't call him out specifically it Mm -hmm. might be in the story next week but he (laughs) says i've got a big chip on my shoulder being a san antonio kid which means i was in the city and they passed up on me i've got something to prove every san antonio kid on this roster has a chip on their shoulder so we plan to come out swinging there you go incarnate word until last year i don't think that most people in the state could have told you that a football team sure absolutely not and last year not only do they play well but they're the best fcs football team in this state mm-hmm. they win the southland or at least to share this southland with Nichols. utsa is trending in the other direction to me this game is very simple it comes down to is frank harris truly ready to be the starting quarterback at mm-hmm. utsa if he is then i think that utsa wins this game comfortably if he has any issues at all they've got a quarterback on the other sideline who has won big games before mm-hmm. i I still, at this moment, I'm very conflicted. Yeah. I'm going to pick Incarnate Word to win this oh, game. Oh, there he goes. Oh. There he goes. And it's very, it's very, <laughs> it's, it's very valuable to me that I get five and a half points with this. Sure. You know, because I think it could be a close game, too. So, 
Now, now at the same time, it would not surprise me. Not changing, me. by the way. No. If UTSA comes out and steamrolls Incarnate Word, yeah. that wouldn't surprise me either. Mm-hmm. You know, because they have to be looking at this game as we got to stomp this fire out. <laughs> we got to stomp this so much out. to lose in this game. Sure. Right? I mean, if, if UTSA loses this game, mm-hmm. it might be curtains for Frank Wilson. I was about to say, does Frank Wilson last the rest of the week? Right. I mean, I think that at least they'd start the coaching search at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, I think Eric Morse would be a guy that they should look at. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, and if they win this game, if they come out comfortably and say, this isn't the same as last year, we're not going to be the same team as last year, that would be huge for them. So there's going to be a lot riding on this game. I'm Ooh. really interested Could to see Could you imagine what if happens. Eric Morse went from incarnate? Oh, <laughs> that crushed that. That Can crushed so many imagine? of those players. Yeah. I'd crush so many of those players that oh. he's like, all right, bye. <laughs> and coaches can do that. Yes. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, no, it would be fun. It would be fun. But uh, moving on, moving on. We've got another good one here. SMU travels to Arkansas State, 6 p.m. Saturday at Centennial Bank Stadium. The game will be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. SMU actually a two-and-a-half-point underdog <sighs> heading into this game-ish. What you got? Man, Arkansas State, that program is in an interesting place right now. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, Blake Anderson's wife recently passed away, I believe, last week. Last yeah. week. I believe. It's, that could either go one of two ways, obviously. You know, playing with a heavy heart. Who knows where? I mean, obviously, football should be the last thing on everybody's mind on there. everybody's mind. I don't know. how That's just going to be so much to take into account. Just look, you know, I have, to, I have to kind of throw that aside. I have to just look at these two teams just, you know, face-to-face. I'd pick SMU outright. Yeah. Arkansas State's a good program. Blake Anderson's done incredibly well there. He's he's been something different, uh, which is a coach that hasn't left. Um, they right. they had that year where there was just cycling through Malzahn coaches on and Hugh Freeze, Har- Harson, Harson, um, and so he's built his program there and built his identity into that program. And I think SMU goes in there. I think they win just because of second year under Dykes. Shane Bichelle. I mean, by all by all accounts, he's the guy that should work that offense and that should absolutely keep that thing humming and that's what they missed last year was somebody who can just move the chains consistently without turning the ball over i like SME outright arkansas state wow yeah that's going against what i've heard from people who know very well what that team looks like at smu mm-hmm. that the, the team looks different that they look yeah like they have guys that div- that belong in division one football sure uh where i think that they've been a little bit devoid of that in the last few years um if this game were away I think you have a lot of factors that would really work against Arkansas State. And with Coach Anderson's wife passing away last week, I think that you'll see a team that's that's buoyed by the people in Jonesboro. Yeah. You'll see a huge outpouring of support for that program. They're going to play in front of a great crowd. Oh, for sure. And that that crowd's going to be amazing. I think they walked out juiced. I mean, if I, if I could elongate that you anymore, I would. But they're <laughs> going to walk out juiced to play this game and play their hearts out uh, for Coach Anderson and, and uh, the memory of his wife. Yeah. That is obviously the one factor that's going to be tough to take into account because it could go one of two no. ways. Mm-hmm. It could go I, – I mean, the crowd's going to be awesome. The team's going to be hyped up. But, you know, you also have to take into account, unfortunately, that Coach Anderson's been away, mm-hmm. you know, and that's going to probably impact some things. Uh, my pick – has everything to do with what I think about SMU and, and nothing to think uh, to do with what I think about Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. I think SMU could be a lot better this year. Yeah. Uh, they bring back a lot on both sides of the ball, of course. James Prochet obviously being the headliner on offense, Richard Moore more on defense, Rodney Clemens. And then they also – do you know how many transfers they brought in? They brought in 16 transfers this <sighs> offseason. Wow. And a lot of them, uh, more than half of them, have immediate eligibility. Mm. So you're talking about – on the top end, you know, having guys who are already back, who played in the system, you know, what people don't realize about SMU is that their defense was very good last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now offensively, you bring in Shane Bouchel to replace Ben Hicks, and that's clearly an upgrade, yeah. in, in my opinion. And Absolutely. and you have those receivers, you have those running backs that, uh, you know, Xavier Jones has been successful before. There's just so much here. And, and I think that, again, when I'm picking SMU to win this game, I'm saying this is a team that can win seven or eight games, mm-hmm. you know, in the AAC, one of the toughest divisions in football. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to pick SMU to win. I really think that this is the start of something at SMU. And don't get me wrong, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a very emotional night for yeah, everybody. Sure. But I do think that SMU finds a way to come in and win the football game. Yep. 
Moving on, this game has no line. Baylor versus uh, Stephen F. Austin, the debut of new head coach Colby Carthel at Stephen F. Austin, of course. 6 p.m. Saturday at McLean Stadium on ESPN+. There is no line. I mean, yeah. I, I think obviously, you know, we probably picks-wise are probably going to kind of be in the same camp. But mm-hmm. but what are your kind of thoughts about the game, Ish? Man, it's going to be interesting because Baylor's that team where we kind of see a high ceiling for them this year. Sure. Where the schedule stacks up very favorably to be a dark horse Big 12 contender, right? Um, if Texas if Texas slips up, if Oklahoma slips up, Baylor's that might be that third, fourth team that we're looking at saying, ah, there that's the team that could come into that conversation. I think we got to look for them to kind of put the foot on the throat a little bit in this game. We got is if is this offense really humming? Is Charlie Brewer really, you know, top three quarterback in this in this uh, uh, conference as we project him to maybe be at the end of this season? I think we got to see a really good style performance from Baylor. They have to come out. It's it's going to be Colby Carthel's first game. SFA's they got a lot of things to fix there. FCS versus FBS. I think they have to come out and they have to put their foot down. Yeah, Matt. Stephen F. Austin, Colby Carthel is a favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a favorite among Texas high school coaches. Uh, anywhere he's been, the players absolutely play their hearts out for him. Yep. Uh, it won't be enough. Baylor wins. Uh, as I look at Baylor and the rest of their season, uh, they're one injury away, Charlie Brewer, from a disastrous season. That's my opinion. Uh, Charlie Brewer is one of those guys who uh, a wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, know him and his family very well. Wonderful kid. Love him to death. If he were to get injured, and I certainly don't don't wish that upon him at all. I'm not sure how how good this Baylor team is. Uh, they they've got some talent. I wouldn't say that it's their most talented team that they've had. Um, they win, but it might be a, a long year, a, a rougher year for them than a lot of people think. Yeah, well, I think that a lot does definitely depend on that quarterback position, but. I think where you really want to see the most growth from this Baylor team is you want to see them establish their will up front mm-hmm. uh, because that's something that they've struggled to do in previous years. And now you come into this year, you've got guys like Connor Galvin in there who are handpicked by Matt Rule. You've got you know Sam Tecklenburg is up past 300 pounds now. Xavier Newman's a starter. You know you have guys now who are real Big 12 offensive line starters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what Baylor's been missing these last two years, are guys who really can enforce their will on the offensive line. So, um, you know, obviously I think Charlie Brewer's going to have a good game, but you really want to see, against SFA especially, you want to see them rush for 200-plus yards. You want to see them average close to five yards per carry. Sure. Um, I think, and, and obviously, again, Baylor's probably going to win this game. On, on the other side, uh, Colby Carthel, I mean, he's one of those coaches who just, he doesn't even have a style exactly. He mm-hmm. just takes some players and finds a way to win yeah and he brought in arguably the top recruiting class in the fcs ranks i'll be excited to see how many of those guys play right away um you know carl williams from lufkin obviously being one that i think will obviously play what i get um yeah the number one uh fcs recruit in the country according Mm -hmm. to multiple places so i'll be excited to kind of see that happen uh again obviously it won't necessarily show up in this opening game i hope they enjoy him while they have him there yeah oh yeah yeah he's one of those who could be a big-time college football head coach real, real soon. Moving from one Division II national championship coach to another, Abilene Christian travels to UNT to face off against the Mean Green at Apogee Stadium, uh, 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, broadcast on ESPN3. UNT is a 22.5-point favorite heading into this game-ish. I think UNT covers comfortably. This is a big year for them. They they ended last year poorly. Um, obviously, Mason Fine battled some injury as well. This... Everything's setting up to be a special, special year. This is We thought it was going to be last year. Obviously, that didn't happen. I think this year is going to be the year. They're going to come out fired up. Apogee is going to be going crazy. With all due respect to Coach Durrell and ACU over there, they're building something really good as well. But they're running into a hornet's nest, I think, in UNT. I think they uh, cover very comfortably. Uh, I did a lot of research on this game. Uh, called some folks. Mm. Really did some investigative work. <laughs> you would have been so proud of me. <laughs> And my wife told me that if I pick anyone but Seth Luttrell's team to win, <laughs> for me not to come home. <laughs> were, you, were you leaning ACU? Were you, were you, I was or, leaning ACU. Yeah, okay. But okay. <laughs> uh, we're going mean green all the way. And in fact, I'll, I'm going to pick mean green for every game of the season. I don't care if they're playing Alabama. <laughs> uh, my wife has never met Coach Luttrell, just uh, full disclosure. She's uh-huh. never met him. Uh, she just – She's a big fan. Sure. <laughs> Likes his presence, I think this is the nice way to put it. I totally understand. And, I mean, UNT is an easy pick for me. I think that UNT this year, this is the year. 
right? This is the sure. year. Yeah. Uh, Mason Vines a senior. Yep. I mean, I think that there's a reality that we have to look at. That this is Seth Luttrell's last season at UNT, right? Yeah, there's a reality. That's, that's definitely a dis- very, very hard uh, possibility. Not, the wheels came off. Right. Somebody messed up somewhere in their hiring process. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Just something went horribly wrong if right. that's not the case. And and that's just a statement. You know, that's True. not a statement of, you know, opinion or whatever. That's just this is probably his last year there. Mm-hmm. And you head into this year. Not only do you have a senior Mason Fine, but you have a senior Rico Bussey, you have a senior Kyrie Muhammad, you have a senior Ladarius Hamilton. On and on, you know, three offensive line starters. This is the year. This is the year that UNT has to do what they failed to do the last two years and they have to win the conference mm-hmm. and they were picked as the west favorites you know they have a good chance to, to go in and do that they'll have some marquee non-conference games against cal uh against uh houston that's going to be a great game that everybody should be oh, watching be so much fun and in this game obviously i mean i, I don't care what the line is the line could be 50 i think that unt is going to cover so. i just want to point out just real quick yeah as a side note on this the young man who who ran the fake punt last year where, yeah. where you know, he basically <laughs> yeah. just started walking in, took off, yeah. left the team be, to become a fireman. Yeah. Man. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that yeah. is so like, cool. Do they, do they advertise that outside the <laughs> firehouse somewhere? Be like, this is the guy. They should. Yeah. I mean, did the fake punt that everybody was talking about. He's here. Because, I mean, it's going to come to your house. It's kind of fitting because, like, the courage it takes oh, yeah. to do a fake punt then in the middle of Reynolds Stadium against yeah. an SEC opponent, against an SEC gunner running at you're your just face. You're look, just looking straight up for oh, a gosh. good five seconds and just hoping nobody hits you. I'm not mean, calling a fair catch. There's a lot of words we could use that, some appropriate, some not. But the moxie <laughs> to do that. Right. I think is the word we were looking for yeah. here. Uh, you want that in your fireman. So yeah. Yeah. we heartily endorse that. Absolutely. We heartily endorse Absolutely. that. Absolutely. No question about it. It's moving on. Number 10, Texas against Louisiana Tech, 7 p.m. at Daryl K. Royal Stadium, broadcast live on the Longhorn Network. Texas is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite heading into this game. And the one thing that I'll say before we make any picks, Tom Herman is 0-2 in openers during his time at Texas. Ish. Texas doesn't cover. Ooh. I was gonna, I was gonna lean on that. I was gonna lean on the fact that he's they're bad as an as an under as a as a favorite. Um, LaTeX good, like that's the other thing. LaTeX yeah. a really good program. They're a legit QC contender. Um, there are still a lot of question marks for Texas. As much as we love, you know, Sam Ellinger's on the cover of our, of our magazine, um, but there are still a lot of question marks on that defense for Texas. The running back situation, as we learned today, is pretty dicey right now. Jordan Whittington might be the number, the starter opening day, opening day. I think they win, but I don't think they cover. I think it's I think it's around third quarter. People in uh, DK are going to be like, oh, "What's going on here?" <laughs> what's the, What's the spread here? Twenty and a half. Twenty and a half. Yeah. So they have to win by three touchdowns. Uh, Texas wins this game, and yeah. I'll, I'll say this real quick. I've made some really bad purchases in my in my day. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I bought a slanket. Uh, if you know what a slanket is, <laughs> I no idea. Then that was the precursor to the snuggie, I believe. Oh, oh my god! Gosh. Okay. You know, it was basically a blanket with with sleeves. Sure. I've I've, I've made not even the purchases. snuggie, the offshoot snuggie. Yeah, the, okay. yeah. It was it was the OG. Okay, of, okay, of okay. Blankets with sleeves on. <laughs> However, I don't buy Texas's back. Ooh, I just okay. don't buy Texas back. What I do buy is their fan base is more motivated than they've been in the last ten years. Sure. I think you'll see a rocking DKR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that you'll see a team that is supremely – it's not. It's never been a deal where they weren't talented enough to win. Sure. I think that the – I hate to keep using this word – the swagger mm-hmm. is back. I think that you'll see the fan base back. The student fan base is so critical to any college football program. It's going to be a great environment. On a, on a Saturday, you know, in DKR. So they win. I don't think they win by, by more than 20, though. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll remind everybody of their last season opener, or uh, not even season opener, their last home opener. It was against Tulsa. Mm-hmm. A very bad Tulsa team, might I add. They only went 28-21. to 21. And a big part of the reason for that is that they're looking ahead to that USC game the next week. Mm-hmm. They've got a much better Louisiana team coming to town the next week. And yep. The big thing, too, that I, I don't love about this is we mentioned those running backs. So, so this is being recorded on Friday, by the way. So if there's more news by next week, you know, whatever. We missed it. If they lose any more running backs. <laughs> well, <that's> Disclaimer. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Daniel Young, going to be out for that game. Uh, Kirk Johnson, already known to be out for that game. Keontae Ingram supposed to be back, but he's dealing with injuries. Jordan Whittington. So though. Jordan Whittington's awesome. But is Jordan Whittington going to be able to almost single-handedly carry that Texas run game? 
I think that he'll be able to for stretches. But the thing that you want to see when you're playing a lower-level opponent is you want to really not have to try that hard. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to just kind of win up front and, and win. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. I think that Sam Ellinger is going to have to pass the ball, and I think he's going to have to pass it a lot. Yep. And that's not a bad thing because he's a good passer, but I just think that it lends more room for variance. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Louisiana Tech, they're always extremely solid on defense. Uh, 20 and a half is a lot for, you know, really any non-conference game. And Louisiana Tech is legitimately very good. I think that Texas plays with its food just a little bit too much. Pulls away at the end. It's mm-hmm. not a close game. Sure. But I, I think that three touchdowns is a little bit yeah. too much. Okay, this, this next game's tough. It's a matchup of the worst FBS team from last year versus arguably the worst <laughs> FCS team from last year. UTEP against Houston Baptist, uh, 6 p.m. Mountain Time mm-hmm. at the Sun Bowl on ESPN+. Plus. UTEP is a 17.5-point favorite. UTEP wins. Yeah. I don't know if they cover. Yeah. I don't know if they cover because... I believe we were in. The, I believe I was in this exact situation two years ago when Texas State played HBU. Yeah. Uh, to open the season, and it was like, okay, Texas State, you know, they should be able to win by a couple touchdowns. You know, if, uh, Houston Baptist wasn't that great, and all of a sudden Houston Baptist is like ten to seven. Or it's like right. a it's a single score game and for they like put a good, points. right. And everyone was like, man, Houston Baptist might be very good. Turns out they weren't very good. It was it was just that they were playing Texas State, and Texas State wasn't very good. I think we could see a little bit of that this year, where or in this game where it's. You look at halftime, it's 14 to 10, UTEP, maybe even uh, HBU. And then final score, 28-17, UTEP, yeah. something like that. I think we're looking at that kind of thing where it's – you're not really comfortable saying Houston Baptist is going to win just because there's a lot they got to fix on that uh, in that program. But I don't know if you can say UTEP's dominant enough to be able to make that matter, to make their FBS, FCS jump matter. Yeah. Matt. Uh, we have a rule in our office. You are not allowed to microwave fish of any kind. <laughs> okay. Okay. No okay. tuna casserole. I think that's unspoken you, here. You but have yeah, leftover dude. salmon from the night before. Go put it on the dash of your car <laughs> if you want to heat it up. Do not heat it up in our break room. I think that there's a, a rule that applies here uh-huh. about talking about games like this. Okay. Um, UTEP better win this game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. also, my dad, that Huskies have no business in Houston, Texas. Okay. <laughs> that is it also true. geographically makes sense. <laughs> All right. UTEP Miners makes a ton of sense. Sure. Right yes. there in the mountains. Yeah. That's that, you know, that was an industry. Uh, UTEP better win. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen a Husky in Texas? I haven't seen a Husky in Texas. <laughs> well, they, they exist. There, there might be someone on staff here that has a, a Husky that lives in Texas. I, I don't know. His, I'm not going to out him on that. So he, here's the concerning numbers to me, okay? Let, <laughs> let me just run through and, and list some of Houston Baptist's scoring outputs last sure. season, right? 34 points against McNeese State, uh, 27 against SMU, 35 against Central Arkansas, 52 against Southeastern Louisiana, 28 against Northwestern State, 20 against Nichols, who won the conference, 20 against Sam Houston State. So this is a team that has the ability to put up points. Mm -hmm. Kids from Texas know how to score points in college football because of of the environment that they grew up in. Absolutely. And I want to say that they that um, that Houston Baptist has like an old tech assistant, like a Kingsbury assistant. Not not obviously a coordinator, but somebody who was on that uh, staff. Yeah, it was uh, the quarterbacks coach. Yeah, and so they can put up points. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say that they can put up 30 points or mm-hmm. anything like that, but they can put up points. And UTEP had a good defense last year, but the question is, if the line is 17 and a half, you know, if if Houston Baptist can find a way to get to 14 points, are you assuming that they get 35? I don't know about that. Here's the other thing. If you want to say, if you want to tell me that the best quarterback on this field plays for Houston Baptist oh, I in think Bailey Zappi, I think that's I very think likely. That's very com- I think that's comfortably the case. He right. almost threw for 3,000 yards last year. He wasn't the issue with this team. Yeah. He's started since he was a freshman. He's going into his third year. Right. I mean, Salty. that's... That says something, you know? Right. <laughs> I don't know if that's enough to win, but that yeah. says something. So U- UTEP's going to win this game. Yeah. I think it's not going to be that close, but I do think it's going to be closer than 17.5 points. 
TC versus Arkansas Pine Bluff. Again, no line. 7 p.m. Eamon Carter Stadium on Foxport Networks. Uh, TCU notably coming off of a massive Cheez-It Bowl victory. Uh, and, uh, and the greatest, and bowl, the greatest bowl game of all time. Yeah, the greatest uh, of all time. crackers. <laughs> Cheez-Its are out there. <laughs> oh, you're not a, a Ritz guy? white cheddar Cheez-Its, you've really messed up. <laughs> those those are my favorites. Those are my favorites. Uh, I, I love the hot and spicy ones, too. Mm, yep. <laughs> those those <laughs> are good. There's uh, a plug for Cheez-Its. <laughs> uh, Expect our check, please. I know, right? Seriously. <laughs> Pine Bluff uh, only wins two games. One, uh, one FCS game last year. Or, sorry, one conference game last year, and mm-hmm. that was over Texas Southern, who is not good. Right. So, again, there, there's no line in this game. I think we all expect TCU to win. What are you looking to see from this game, Ish? Competence <laughs> <laughs> from the quarterback <laughs> position for TCU. Um, I also don't want them to get to the – I don't want TCU fans and maybe Big 12 – observers to kind of look at this game and be like man alex you know if alex Dillon comes out and throws for 250 or something he's like man they got a quarterback now it's like man pine bluff's not very good <laughs> like uh, they're, we, they're very bad they're That's very bad right. you cannot look at this game and think all problems are solved right whoever comes out whether it's delton or who's the other quarterback we we're looking at uh, uh max duggan duggan like whoever comes out and has the better stats that game you can't draw any conclusions other than oh hey cool tcu's TCU is good or TCU is okay, right? right? We're not we're not expecting them the wheels to fall off this year. Um, I think that's all you can grab from this game. This is such a I don't. There's really nothing you can pull, in yeah. my opinion, as far as definitive yeah. analysis. Yeah. Do people stay healthy? Yeah. yeah. I mean, TCU yeah. has really struggled, uh, and really for the last five six years with keeping people healthy. Sure. I mean, you can't open up a newspaper. People still do that. Uh, you can't open up a, a website and without seeing so-and-so, so-and-so's out yeah. for TCU. Can they keep people healthy? Who plays quarterback? And can their offense find any consistency? Say what you want about Gary Patterson. He is stuck with Sonny Cumbie. Mm-hmm. Sonny Cumbie is one of the uh, finest individuals that you'll ever meet. And I, I love him to death. But that offense has been wildly inconsistent. And the quarterback play, even when guys were healthy, mm-hmm. The quarterback play has not been great. I think that that's what I look – if I'm a TCU fan, which I am not, full disclosure, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. TCU wins this game. Yeah. But uh, I think I'd keep a really strong eye on do we have any kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in terms of charting numbers that don't matter, last year uh, a player completed 17 of 24 passes for 182 yards, three touchdowns, zero turnovers. Uh, and Sean Robinson still ended up not being good again, even though he played well against Southern. And Southern was a very good HBCU team, mm-hmm. whereas uh, UAPB is not. So the biggest thing that I want to see is I want to see Max Duggan through the, throw the ball through the air. I just want to see what it looks like. Sure. You know, I, the numbers aren't going to matter to me, uh, nothing like that. I just want to see when he throws the ball, where does it land on the receiver? And, and same with Justin Rogers. Can he move? And does it not go the opposite direction? <laughs> right, right. Because – Playing well in this game doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Playing badly in this game is a terrible sign. Sure. And that's that's really all you're looking for is just how does it look? How do the quarterbacks look? How well are these guys moving? So many of them have been injured. Uh, who ends up playing, too? I think the order. that, But that's really it. I mean, this is a <laughs> – I don't want to call it a scrimmage, but, you know, no. this isn't – this isn't going to be an issue. It's pretty close. <laughs> right. Uh, the final in-state game, uh, which I will be at next week on Sunday, Houston versus number four Oklahoma, 6.30 p.m. Sunday night at Gaylord Memorial Stadium in Norman, Oklahoma. The line is 25 points. <sighs> that's disrespectful. I think that's a little disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Do we have like a, an alert that we can, like, <laughs> is there like buzzers or anything? Or like a disrespect Some type alert? of sound. Disrespect alert. Yeah. Oh, man. If you could get Sam Elliott in that, you know, that really deep, booming <laughs> go, that's disrespectful. <laughs> if you could, if somebody could do that, I'm willing to chip in $27. <laughs> oh, just 27 That's what I've got. Okay, okay, that's fine. I'm we'll all see, in, fellas. Oh, we'll see how far 27 can get us. That might get us a drop. Yeah. <laughs> That's takes like, two, like, takes like two seconds, Sam Elliott. Come on. You know what? I'll I'll record it for you guys, <laughs> and, just say and I'll charge you half. Thirteen fifty. Thirteen fifty gets you. That's right. a disrespectful and a, and a low uh, Texan draw. <laughs> oh my gosh! What? Where, where I, are you going? Oh with this God! Game? I think Houston covers. I think they cover. Okay. Um, as many question marks as you know, new head coach coming in. How is they, how do they change the offense? I think you still got to look at the fact that De'Aaron King's quarterback. And Derek King is a top five quarterback in the country, not even in the state. Like he's probably the best quarterback in the state. Him and Mason fine. Yeah. Um, 
I think you have to look at the fact that Holgerson isn't a newbie. Like, Holgerson knows what he's doing, right? Um, I think you got to look at the fact that Oklahoma's defense is still a mystery. We don't know if that thing's fixed overnight with uh, uh, Alex Grinch. Um, Sure, Oklahoma's going to put up points, but I don't see why Houston won't put up points. I I don't know. I I just don't see a monster blowout from this game. I see a competitive game going into maybe the middle of the third, and then Oklahoma pulls away in the end. But I don't see. I think that spreads too much. I think Houston covers. Matt, Houston covers. Uh, I think back ten years ago to a TCU game where TCU went into Norman mm. and really surprised people. Uh, o- Oklahoma has really struggled with wide open offenses. Yep. People that really throw the ball down the field. Uh, that's been an Achilles heel for them for a long time. I mean, look at the Tech game last year, and even West Virginia. They're they they've been very susceptible to the deep ball. Holgerson loves it. Uh, now you have Derek King, who is a very capable quarterback, but can also beat you with his with his uh, with his feet. You can't just rush the quarterback. There's got to be a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. It's the first game; everybody's amped up. I think Houston makes this a very very interesting game. I would not be surprised to see this be a one score game in the fourth quarter. I really wouldn't. The thing that's I guess kind of curious to me is that Oklahoma can beat teams soundly and well, well games that are closer than they look can still be 25 point wins against sure. Oklahoma sure. you know I mean the, like last year I, I think against like Baylor they won 66 to 33 like Baylor put up a lot of points they moved the ball at will against them but at the same time it was never a close game and same with like UCLA I mean they kind of dominated UCLA it was only a 28 point game so it's just it's hard for me to kind of gauge that this is one of those weird lines that's just like I don't even know if 25 is emblematic of how the game's going to go. Sure. I think that you guys are right. I think that you just trust that Derek King can find a way um, to put up points because I do think that they'll be able to. And, and the other thing, too, is, you know, going back to, like, A&M at the beginning, right, I don't think A&M's going to be as explosive. I also don't think Oklahoma's going to be as explosive. No. Sure, as the A&M. offense is going to change under Jalen Hurts. Right. He's not going to throw as much as Murray or um, uh, Baker Mayfield. Right, and I think that they might actually be best served going to more of a run-based offense mm-hmm. you know where where they're running a lot of zone read where they're putting the ball in kennedy brooks hands a lot mm-hmm. where they're running with jalen hurts a lot i think that they'll probably do that uh, in this opening game and that probably means lower point totals i was about to say and that might i mean by proxy that can't help but benefit the defense right because right. yeah. we can talk about all oh, the defense has been terrible and but it's like man kyler murray and baker were scoring in eight plays or less like yeah. that defense had no time to rest For they sure. weren't very good schematically in, in many ways but that certainly didn't help the Lincoln fact they were getting how to run the ball yeah uh, they'll 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 uh they'll you'll see a fullback in there you'll see right. an h back in there they're gonna they'll run the ball more and i would i would ask you this and you don't have to answer this but dear listener please consider this on your drive home Take Saban out of the mix. What court, what coach would you hate to come to the sidelines to after a bonehead mistake? I would argue that Dana Holgerson's up there. <laughs> so if Man. anything but fear, That's a good the one. Houston offense is going to score some points just because I don't want to come back over there and face <laughs> Dana Holgerson and that wild hair. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I am interested to see and kind of – 12 Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see with Houston, too, how quick the transition is on defense because mm-hmm. uh, Joe Cawthon, the former defensive coordinator from Arkansas State, uh, you know, he's a big-time pressure coach. He's a big-time make-things-uncomfortable coach, and they have the personnel to do it. I mean, you have the athletes in the city of Houston where you can do this consistently, um, and they've gotten guys who are bounce-back kids um, from, from the Power Five who are now potentially going to be starting for them, like Deontay Anderson. So, and Isaiah Chambers, obviously, on the defensive line. So there's enough here that I think that 25 is too many points. Um, you know, I, I That's don't... disrespectful. Right. I, I don't know how this game is going to go. I really, really don't. I mean, Oklahoma's probably going to win in one way or another, but yeah. I don't know how it's going to happen. But until proven otherwise, I'm going to trust Derek King. Okay, our last game. In the city of Arlington. We have number 11 Oregon against number 16 Auburn, 6.30 p.m. at AT&T Stadium, broadcast live on ABC. First have, of all. Do I have to be like Kirk Herbstreet here and, and like <laughs> abstain from this? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, okay good. Absolutely not. So, so first of all, what do uh, people who are coming to the game, what, what do they need to know about this, this uh, situation? Oh, great question. Uh, you know, Arlington has undergone a, a great renovation in the last couple of years, and I think that what people will be most excited to know about 
uh, is the addition of Texas Live, which is an entertainment district that is literally uh, 200 yards from AT&T Stadium. So if you've ever thought about, hey, you know what? I'm going to go watch college football somewhere. I'm not going to stay at the house. I've got too much stuff going on here. I'd rather just go somewhere, have some great food, get something to drink. Texas Live is the place to go. Uh, it's right off Randall Mill. The largest indoor screen that is not in a stadium wow. is inside Texas Live. They're going to have every major college football game playing. Uh, great restaurants, great bars. It is a fantastic place to go watch college football. If you are going to the game, that is your tailgate spot. Uh, and I'll tell you that Auburn, their alumni tailgate, is taking place at Texas Live. So if you are of the Auburn faithful, there's no other place to be than Arlington, Texas and Texas Live. Just opened up Live by Lowe's Hotel, 300-room deluxe, uh, four-star property right next door to that. Um, if you've thought about maybe getting a room somewhere and then uh, being able to walk next door to the game, that's the place to be. Um, so that's that's what I would say people need to know about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that anybody from the Metroplex needs to be told that, that Arlington's as good a place to watch the game as you'll, as you'll find. And sure. AT&T Stadium is as special a place as you'll find in all of football mm-hmm. or all sports, really. Oh, and special tip. I'll, I'll tell people this tip, and people need to remember this. If you are ever coming to Arlington and you thought, you know what? I, I, all the parking is going to be taken up close to the stadium. Where could I like do a parking ride? Jay Gilligan's is a is a bar and restaurant in downtown Arlington that has a shuttle. It's eight dollars. You get a wristband. You get on a bus. They drop you off literally in front of the stadium. They pick you back up at the end of the stadium, nice. and then you're back out uh, to to points unknown. Mm-hmm. I, I might have to write that down because <laughs> that that is always the thing that kills me when yeah. I go to that stadium. So so Jay Gilligan's, make sure and check it out. Uh, now this game, yeah. Massive so game, man. Oregon, Oregon coming into the year is kind of seen as one of those teams that maybe could, you know, contend mm-hmm. for the for the playoffs. Especially from the Pac-12, they're looking for that contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring back quarterback Justin Herbert. Uh, they go nine and four last year in Mario Cristobal's first year. And on the other end, you have Auburn starting a true freshman quarterback, Bo Nix, one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in this class. Um, they're really high on him. They were eight and five last year and killed Purdue in the Music City Bowl. Ish, let's start with you. Where do you see this game going? To me, it depends on Auburn. Um, Oregon, I feel like we know more or less that they're going to be one of two or three teams in the Pac-12. You mentioned uh, competing with Utah and Washington. What kind of year is it for Auburn? Is it a, is it a, as, a as our friends at SB Nation say, is it a fire Gus year? Because <laughs> every year that Gus is on the hot seat, Auburn all of a, all of a sudden, oh, they're nine wins, ten wins. Wait, they beat Alabama. Like it's like one of those time, one of those uh, situations. I don't think they do it. I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon wins pretty comfortably. But I think what we see from Auburn is the semblance of quarterback play, which has been inconsistent. Even with Jared Stidham uh, there, injuries and just inconsistency and just not being able to move the ball. Like That's what Gus Malzahn is supposed to be known for, is moving the ball and exciting offense. I think Bo Nix shows some semblance of that, but I think Oregon pulls away. I think Mario Cristobal has a program headed in the right direction. This game takes place in Eugene. Oregon wins mm. at a neutral site that's not going to be necessarily neutral. I think you're going to see a very Auburn-heavy crowd. Auburn wins. Oh, um, okay. The pass rush in a Pac-12 pack is nothing like a pass rush from, from an SEC school. Sure. It's it's just a different brand of ball, and I think I think Auburn is probably a little bit more size-wise, physicality. Is that is that really a word? Do we still use that? <laughs> I think we still use that. Yeah, we can still use it. Um, Auburn wins this game. So here's the issue for me, right, is that I'm watching Jared Stidham right now play for the New England Patriots, Mm -hmm. and it looks a lot different than when he played for the University of Auburn. Right. I know that we give Gus Malzahn a whole lot of credit when it comes to offense, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't done a good job since really Nick Marshall. Yeah, I was about to say Nick Marshall. uh, It was the last time that he Or Stidham's first year. Stidham's first year was good. I'll say. But, I mean. Outside of that. You know, I'll say as somebody who attended Baylor – Definitely didn't get as much out of uh, out of Sidham as, as the previous coaching staff did. Fair enough. I mean, very different situation. Ron Paulus. He's the Ron Paulus of Baylor. <laughs> and so, ultimately, though, when you have a, f- a freshman quarterback coming in, and, and Nick's is, you know, he's not quite a dual threat. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he's more of a passer. Is Gus Malzahn going to be able to get the most out of him early? And on the other sideline, you have, you know, a guy who maybe I think is a little overrated in Justin Herbert. I, I don't think that he's this surefire NFL quarterback that maybe some people think. Sure. 
but he's still a four-year experienced starter who's Lots changed a lot of that. things at Oregon. So, and and obviously, you know, at Auburn, the story really is going to be that defense led by Kevin Steele and that defensive line especially. But when I'm looking at these two teams, I'm looking at which quarterback do I trust to make the plays in these big moments in the spotlight at T- AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Who do I trust? Right now, I just trust Justin Herbert more. So I'm going to go with Oregon. Um, and I think that Auburn is going to get a lot better as the season goes along. But the reality is most people aren't Trevor Lawrence. You know, most sure. people aren't uh, Tua, you know, mm-hmm. in that last game mm-hmm. of the season. The reality is that most of these guys, when they're freshmen, struggle at least initially with the pressure. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. And Oregon is going to have this game circle on their calendar because if Oregon loses this game, not only does it hurt Oregon, it hurts the Pac-12's playoff chances. Yeah. You kind of need to win this game to feel okay about where the Pac-12 is at. And they haven't made the playoffs since since Washington, right? Back in 16, 15? I don't even remember when that was. Uh, 16, I think. I think yeah. it was 16. So it's been it's been a couple of years. So I think that the Pac-12 really needs this game to get off on the right foot. Uh, I think Oregon finds a way to win the game, and I think that, uh, that Justin Herbert is the victorious quarterback. Whew. We did it. <laughs> this is we week one. God. This is week one. Everybody start playing each other so we don't have as many games. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we are very excited. It's been so much talk all offseason. I'm yeah. just so ready for there to be real, actual football. Thanks, everybody, for, for sticking with us through all of this. Uh, again, as always, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. You can find us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. If you haven't picked up a magazine, you better hurry. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, in the next couple of days... It's almost out of date. <laughs> it's almost out of date. Right, right, right. Uh, thanks again to Matt Wilson, the VP of Sports and Events at the Arlington Convention Visitors Bureau Thank for you. stopping by. We'll definitely have to have you by later in the year. There's a lot more interesting games happening in the city of Arlington coming up. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe we'll have to talk some XFL at some point. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on it. I'm down for that. I can tell you what you want to know. There you go. I'm not legally bound by it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much to everybody for joining us. Uh, Again, please pick up our magazine if you haven't as yet. Check us out at textfootball.com. We'll have plenty of coverage over the next couple of days. But for now, happy football, and we'll talk to you again on Sunday, Yeah, our first Sunday show. Yep. So <laughs> talk to you guys real soon.